everybody. This is Rachel Wilford. I'm so excited to be joining you this morning. I am the Life Together Groups Director and heading up our K2 Women's Ministry here at K2 The Church and thrilled to get to spend a little bit of time with you. I absolutely love um, that we have a way that we can still meet, even though we're not meeting in real life right now, but we can still meet and we can still worship together. I know that those songs that we just sang together are some powerful songs. And I actually spent quite a bit of time listening to them this week as I was preparing, just knowing that I wanted to, to hear God's word through that worship. And I'm just, I just love that we get to spend the time and get to hear those songs and be together, even though we're not um, in real life together. If you're part of the K2 family, I'm just so thrilled that you're here. It's been awesome to, to in the past on Sundays, sit down on my computer and watch and see who's logging in. I absolutely love to just see who's joining us from all over the place. And if you're not from K2, if you're a newcomer, maybe this is your first time or one of your first times, welcome. So glad that you are able to participate with us, uh, worship with us, hear some of God's word. We're just really, really excited to be here today. What's really fun is I've actually been hearing, um, I had a couple of pictures sent to me last week of some people who are getting really creative and how they are participating on this Sunday service. Um, two groups got together. One was a Life Together group and one was just a group of friends. And they actually had uh, put up a TV or a monitor in some way in the backyard and had creatively positioned the seats so that they were still physically distanced, but then could still be together and watch the service together and worship together. And I just thought, what a brilliant way to do that. I just love that people are looking at ways to, to honor each other through the distancing, but still gather. I just loved it. It was just so much fun because I know for my husband and I, Jason, uh, the physical distancing aspect of what's going on with this pandemic has been one of the, the most difficult things for us. By nature, Jason and I are extroverts. We love and thrive about being around people. It's really what gives us most of our energy, it seems like. And so to not have that as an option has been a big struggle for us. So we can relate to all of you who are in a position where this has just become a difficult time. But the amazing thing is, is that we do have an opportunity to come together. And we're just thrilled that we're able to to go in and, and hear God's word and worship together. And so today I'm just excited to share a little bit about some of the things that God has been doing in this time, in this pandemic, in my heart. Um, Jason and I both grew up in, in homes that had faith in them. We both in our adult years walked away from that. And actually when we got married, we were really, really good having nothing in our home except for what served us and worked and what worked for us. Um, and things were really great. We actually, we lived in Orange County, California. So if any of you've ever been there, it was the perfect place to be living when we just wanted to do everything for ourselves. It was all about going to the bars, going to the restaurants, hitting the beach, hitting the pool, literally just fun for us. And then, and it worked really well. And then, and then it stopped working. And then things weren't going as well and things started to unravel. And about the time um, we felt like the ground was coming out from underneath us, we realized we had to make a choice and we could stick strong to what we wanted to do and do everything for ourselves. And like the song mentioned before, I could let you not move. I could, how did it say? I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me. We faced that. We were gonna say, God, no, we're gonna hold on to who we are and never be changed 
But then we realized we had to make a change because what we were doing actually wasn't working. We were living this very incredibly shallow uh, life and it was very difficult for us when things got really bad. And we got to the point where as our marriage hit uh, a struggle where we, we thought we were actually gonna be ending our marriage and things got where, like I said, the ground was coming out below us and we didn't know where else to go, I felt like I reached up and I was grasping for something to hold on to, grasping for something to change what we were experiencing, this almost dead life, this shallow life. And the incredible thing is when I reached up, it was God's hand that grabbed hold of me. And that completely changed our lives. And the crazy thing is, is we are coming up in October, 10 years since the day I reached out and said, God, I'm yours change me from the inside. I'm ready to go higher. I'm ready to go deeper. And it's been a quite an insanely wild ride. And now, 10 years later, as a believer, living in the world as it is, and then the world that completely took this shift for us on March, I'm looking around and I'm saying, like probably a lot of you, what? is going on. Like, right? Like what is happening here? I know in our home, we talk a lot. Like how do we make sense of everything that's happening? And there's no sense to make of it. But the crazy thing is, is we're not the only ones going through that. I have some neighbors that we share a fence with and they are in their late eighties and they both immigrated here back in, I think the fifties. Um, and so they uh, were very young. They both immigrated one from Germany and one from Greece. And so being in their eighties, they have experienced so many things of the world. Um, I mean, fleeing wars, fleeing oppression. They've seen ec- economic despair and recession. They've, they've seen illness, they've seen death, they've seen it. And talking with them has been really interesting because they'll tell me, we've never seen anything like this. And so we're all trying to make sense of it. And we're all looking and we're all trying to figure out how to go about life right now. And the coolest part for me was a couple of months ago, I felt like I started to notice a theme in my study time in in the word. My quiet time all kept leading me into passages and verses that were leading into this similar theme. And I was trying to make sense of it. And the theme was go and do. And I sat with that and I sat with that. I'm like, God, what is that supposed to mean? And I don't know about you guys, but I started asking the question, how am I as a believer, as a believer in Christ, how am I supposed to go and do right now when I can't even leave my house most of the time. I can't go visit my friends. We're not seeing family. We're not going to restaurants. Our kids aren't going to school. And I'm supposed to get the message from you, from the word of God, I'm supposed to go and do. Is anybody else? Are you guys seriously hearing any of that? I know I've had conversations with people and you're asking the same questions. You're saying, how do I be the image of Christ when things are as crazy as they are? The world is more divided than ever. It doesn't matter which camp you're on. There's camps across the board and we're all struggling to know how to live out our faith. So I started to reflect even more. Why do these verses keep coming up? Why does this message keep hitting me? I mean, funny enough, the last time I helped give the message, I was with Dave and him and I entire message was around Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. Go, do. So this isn't a new thing, but I kept asking, what am I supposed to do with that? 
because I know that I've seen my whole life shifted in 10 years. I mean, it was falling apart before. And then I have to ask God, you came in and you took that mess and then you wrecked it a little bit more by changing everything that we understood and knew. And now I'm supposed to take that and do something with it. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I kind of think it's a little bit easier to just get comfy. I get comfy. I get complacent. I know I have recently gotten that way where it got where it was very easy for me to start to look inward and to stop doing the things that God was calling me in to do. And I'm wondering if other people are in that place with me. And I'm wondering, how do we recognize when we're starting to hit that? It's, it's very interesting when we recognize the things that we're doing are actually pointed in instead of pointed out. So for me, there are a few things I can pinpoint that start to happen when this shift is starting to happening. Um, all of a sudden, mornings, instead of there bright and early, me, I'm up reading my Bible, doing my quiet time, I'm laying in bed, scrolling. I know, I know. I'm the only one who does that. I'm the only one who sits there and scrolls in the early hours of the morning when I'm supposed to be doing something else. I also find I start to get distracted by allowing myself to stay up extra late and maybe watching just one more episode of that show that I'm liking. Well, then that one more episode usually leads into a couple more episodes and then leads into a late morning and then an exhausted day. And then I start noticing even further and further and further. I start to notice I'm losing patience in my home with my, my husband and my kids. I'm, I'm starting to actually, can, it's embarrassing to say, when I get to this place where I'm looking so far inward, it's embarrassing. But I start getting annoyed when people start asking for help. I start to feel like a burden of how am I supposed to be the one who's pouring into them again? It's really horrible to say that, it feels like. But I know when I recognize that that's where I'm at, that I am starting to fall backwards and I'm no longer living out my faith the way that God has called me to do. A couple of months ago, I started noticing those patterns happening. And I, what I really started noticing was happening was we were going through this crazy spell where we'd hit the pandemic and things were starting to launch off. And our daughter, she's 12 years old. Uh, her name is Lola. Her medical condition actually took it to her to a place where we were starting to worry about her life again. We were back in for seizure testing. We, she was back in where she was needing emergency blood transfusions. And it was all um, craziness. But what was crazy was during the time of that, I was on fire for God. I was probably the strongest I have been since I became a new believer. I knew God had a plan. I knew God would be victorious. I didn't know what his victory was gonna look like. I didn't know what the circumstances or or the outcome was gonna be, but I held strong and it was really powerful and it was really intense. So now it's really interesting to be able to go and say, okay, how do I go from being that strong in that kind of a setting to when things have mellowed out, when I'm not as strong and I'm not in, set, in that setting. Have any, I don't know, has anybody else been in a place like that? Have any of you felt like you were in a position where all of a sudden your kind of momentum was, was slowing down? Where the ocean that you were in is now drying up a little bit and now you're really wondering how you're gonna get yourself back into that? So my guess is probably I'm not the only one 
who's been through an experience like that, who's been in a desert and felt like they had nothing to offer anyone else. I know that these emotions that the pandemic is causing is hitting people in so many different ways. It's like a roller coaster of emotions. I know there are some of you crazies out there who um, are at your best you've ever been. You're faster, you're stronger, you're everything that you've ever wanted to be. But I've had a lot of conversations over the last couple months and most people aren't there. Most of us are hitting the roller coaster where one day we're so good and we're so strong. And the next day, we don't know how we're gonna get out of bed. But the thing is, we have to recognize what do I need in order to live out the faith that I have? Because I don't wanna be a desert. I don't wanna be stuck where I'm not living it out. I don't want a dead life. And so for me, I started looking back into those passages that God was giving me and what he was laying out as, as profound information about what was going on and what I needed to do. Because I know for me, if I'm not filled up, I cannot pour out into others. And I know for you, if you're not filled up, you cannot pour out into others. So as believers, it's really important that we remember to do the fundamental things. These are key spiritual disciplines that are gonna help us so that we are constantly tapped into that vine, tapped into what God's power is and who he is so that we can then flesh that out through our actions. It's amazing what, uh, when you're not in the word daily, when you're not meditating on his word, when you're not in a deep prayer practice, that disconnect happens and you're no longer getting that feeding and that connection so that you can live it out. For me also, relationships are huge. Right now, maybe I can't meet with my people regularly face-to-face, but I do have people in my life that are very key to keeping me going. And maybe that's what you need, or maybe you have that, and that's why you're doing as well as you are. I know I've got a couple of girls. I'll call them my running partners. We're not out running together yet. yet. I'll get them out there running with me one of these days. But we get together and we talk about what's going on in life. We talk about the accountability of, of living in the word. We pray for each other. We check in on each other regularly. I also have a couple of ladies that I pour into that I'm discipling and helping them grow in their spiritual disciplines and in, in their walk with Jesus. And then I also make sure that I have mentors and people pouring into me who are checking in on me and keeping me on track with that grace and that truth because those are the kind of things that are gonna help it so that I can not only have my faith in Jesus, but then live it out. Because one of the biggest things is recognizing through all the passages and all the verses that I've read lately is how important it is to remember that faith with action is alive. Because over and over we see that faith without works is dead. And I actually wanna head into that. I'm really excited because here's the thing. God has talked about all through his word all through the word, the Bible talks about how action is, is the key to our faith. Jesus himself talks about it. The prophets of old in the Old Testament do. The disciples in the New Testament talk about it. And it's important for us to understand that what they were doing is they were modeling to us what faith should look like as we live it out. Faith with action is alive. So I really want to dive into this a little bit. And so what we're going to do, there's some great stuff in James. So I want to dive into a passage in James and dig into what he says about living out our faith. And it's James chapter two, verses through uh, 14 through 18. So starting out in verse 14, 
It says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? So here we get the question that has created controversy and conversations around the world. What saves us? So before we head into the passage actually to talk about what James was really talking about, I feel like I need to make something really, really clear here. Deeds do not save you. Your actions do not give you salvation. Your actions, your deeds are not going to earn you a place in heaven. They're not gonna earn you any ranking or any favor with God. Deeds and actions are an expression of your faith that you live out through your faith. It's important for us to remember this. And I love how Paul hits this in Ephesians. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So honestly, it's point blank here. Grace is what saves us. Nothing that we are doing or not doing is going to give us our salvation or take it away. But I love how Paul in verse 10 says directly to what James is saying, what we're talking about. We are God's handiwork created to do good works. So I love it. So when you're saved, God goes to work in you. He goes to work in your heart and he changes you. And then boom, you go to work. He's created you to be, you are his handiwork and he's created you to go and do good works to show that faith and to be with others but it does not save you. So I just wanted to touch on that. And now let's just jump back in to 14 because I think it's really important what James is saying here. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds, can such faith save them? So here James is really asking if believers can truly claim to have faith, truly claim to be a believer and have no actions to back it up. Now, I love it because later James tells us in verse 17 very clearly that faith with no action is dead. Dead. Like I've never really until reading through this considered my faith or considered that my faith could be dead if I was complacent and not doing anything with it. I don't know if anybody else has ever considered that your faith is dead in that moment and how powerful that is. Because I do, like I said, I go through the motions. I turn my daily stuff into a, uh, my emotions into more of a chore than something I'm doing to build relationship. I'm, I'm pulling back and I'm looking in rather than looking out. And to recognize that puts me in a position of a dead faith. That's some serious stuff. So we have to start seeing though, on the flip, faith with action is alive. And how amazing that James is gonna tell us further how we can live that out and what that can look like to have an alive faith. So here he gives us an illustration. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Okay, let's, let's be real here. This, this, this passage gives me that kind of same feeling of, when I hear someone tell someone that they need something or something's going on and the response is, oh man, I'll pray for you. And that's it. it. 
it's really sweet. And I hope they do actually pray, but it doesn't actually do anything for what the person's going through. It doesn't provide a need or a solution to their need. And so here we're getting this picture painted for us that if we aren't actually offering any tangible support or, or needs, what are we offering? James is telling us that every time we see or hear someone's need and do nothing about it, there is no good to it. He actually references back in verse 14 and then again in 16, he says, what good is it? What good is it to have faith and no deeds? What good is it to see a need and offer no help? It's no good. It's not helpful. It's ineffective. It doesn't do anything for them. Definitely doesn't do anything for you. And it definitely does not bring glory to God. It's not practical in any way. So James is being clear here. It's not good to sit without action because he knows faith with action is alive. What's cool is he keeps going and he keeps describing to us what dead faith really is. Because that question keeps hitting, what, what is a dead faith? How do I know if I have dead faith? How do I know when I'm in that place? 17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So he is actually saying here that walking past someone with no clothes and no food and offering them nothing is the same as me walking around with a faith and doing nothing with it. It is dead. And I love this here. This was the idea of the word dead is symbolic. It's a way of saying that our faith is disconnected or uh, in lack of. So I think it's, it's interesting because James later gives an illustration in verse 46, or excuse me, verse 26, where he does, he talks about the body and the spirit being separated. And just like the body from the spirit when they're separated is dead, faith without action is dead. So when a person's spirit leaves their body, it's not like the body stops existing. It's not like that body never did exist. It's just that that body is no longer doing what it was created to do, which was to live life, to be on purpose for God. So just like that disconnects, our faith without deeds is not that the faith doesn't exist. It just is no longer on mission or on purpose for what God is doing in the world. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to be dead when I'm alive. Do you? I don't think you do. I don't want to be where this is here and this is here and I'm not on purpose for God anymore. I'm just going about the motions. Some of you may have experienced this before. Some of you might be experiencing it right now where you're living disconnected. You have faith, you have your salvation and you're not doing anything with it and you're disconnected and you're needing that reconnection. I really like looking at different versions of the, the word of God. And I love how the message version of James 2.17, how it sounds, because just, it just hits in a different way. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. God talk 
without God acts is outrageous nonsense. We're obviously missing that they're supposed to be connected, that true life comes from our faith and our deeds, that faith with action is alive. Now, like I said, I've lived this. I know my husband, Jason, has. We talked quite a bit about this, what this is like to go through the roller coaster of being on fire for God and living and giving everything and listening to God and going and doing it to then becoming self-absorbed, not giving of my time or my resources, making it all about me again. And we talked about what does it look like when we go through that? What are some indicators that we can see when that happens? And, and we talked about how some of the red flags that we can notice are things like, like I mentioned, not getting up and spending time in the word, uh, not being in relationship and discipling with others. So I wanna challenge you. Are you in that place? Are you someone who right now is pulling back because you're struggling with where things are at in the world? Do you need to reach out and grab hold of God's hand? Have the vine fill you, be filled with his word. Build those relationships again so someone can pour into you, so you can pour out. The absence of our faith, excuse me, the absence of our actions wasn't following out our faith to carry out God's plan on purpose. We are getting a picture that a complete faith has faith in God and deeds. A complete faith has faith and deeds. Faith with action is alive. Now, okay, so we talked about what does a dead faith maybe look like? These are some red flags. These are some indicators that I'm not doing what God's calling me to do. Some of the other things are, if God has asked me to go and talk with someone or be with someone and I I don't do it, or if I'm spending too much time away from my home and I'm, with, I'm out serving other people and God has been telling me I need to be home caring for my kids more. There's a lot of indicators. And so I challenge you, really sit and say, God, is there something in my heart? Is there something going on where I need to change that and I need to stop and I need to listen to where you want me to go? Because the question of what does an alive faith look like sits there. So in 18, James 2.18, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So here I think it's really cool. James is not saying that faith by itself is deficient, that it's not enough. Rather, he's arguing that a true faith is a complete faith will always result in action, because it is our expression of that faith that we lived out. Now, all, like I told you guys before, there are so many passages where this comes up, but I love that Jesus himself headed into this. He talked about it actually quite a few times, but the passage I want to talk about is in Matthew chapter 6, 46 through 49, because he gives us this, he gives us this beautiful illustration that you can't ignore about, about how this works. So follow me here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it 
because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So here he's showing us exactly this. Faith with action is alive. Faith with action builds a foundation that is so strong. Now, if you're really living out your life through your actions, through your listening to the spirit, through your, what he says, hearing his word and putting it into practice, you are building a foundation that will hold strong through the storms. Any storm. And I don't know about you guys, but we're in some tough storms right now. I mentioned at the beginning, our daughter getting sick. That's a tough storm. That's a tough storm when you are facing, when you're facing that. And yet, when I think back, why was I so on fire then? Why was I so okay with whatever the outcome I knew God was going to be victorious and I knew his hand was in it. How was I okay? The only thing I can think is because leading up into that, I had been so intentional about making sure that I was connected with God, that I could hear his word and I could hear what he was asking me to do. And I was doing my very best so that when he asked me to do something, I did it. And sometimes... Sometimes that looks like a big thing. Sometimes it's, you know, it's a big giant deal, like putting on a food drive or putting on a, a, a blood drive. But sometimes it's a tiny thing. Like this week. This week, um, a, very, a dear friend of mine is going through a tragedy that is just beyond comprehension. And I didn't know how to support her. I didn't know how to do this. I'm reading, I'm preparing for this message about how to live out my faith do my, deep, my faith in action and I feel paralyzed what to do for her and her family. And I hear one morning, just send a text. And that feels pretty lame when you realize the needs of a family going through tragedy. But I sent the text. I didn't have any expectation, of course, of any response. I didn't have anything that I planned or hoped to get back. But what I did get back was a sweet text back and a request to, to make a phone call so she didn't have to make the phone call. I have no idea if my text made any impact or if that phone call made any impact. But what is bigger than that was knowing that was simply what I was asked to do and I did it. So when we are holding strong and we're doing what God is asking us to do, the foundation is being built on the rock so we can handle the storms. The most amazing thing though right now is through the midst of that storm with my friend and the rest of the storm in the world right now, whether it's the pandemic or illnesses or all the, all the things that are going on, because all of us are dealing with the pandemic and also we all have other tragedies going on. We all have other things that are happening. So the storm isn't going to stop soon. So we know we have to continue to build that foundation, hold strong and live out that faith because faith with action is alive. What's incredible about what's going on with this friend of mine is I'm watching my tiny little action probably didn't do anything, but I'm watching 
the church, the community of God surrounds a family, surround a community and offer support in ways that are much bigger, that those people are being called, God telling them to do things. And now I'm remembering how compelled I was at the beginning, 10 years ago, when I first came to faith, why was I so on fire then? Why were I, was I so in charge of getting out and doing all the things then? It's because I was watching so many people around me. So many people were jumping in and I could see the joy and the life in their lives. That's what we get a chance to do. So I don't know about you. Some of you may have an idea right now what that step is. Maybe you're like me. Where God is already telling you what to go and do. Or maybe you're asking God, God, what is, is there something I'm supposed to do? Either of those, I'll be honest, are terrifying. They're terrifying. If God is telling you to step out and do something that you're not comfortable or used to doing, or if you're asking God to tell you to step out and go do something, both of those are incredibly terrifying. But I'm praying with you. I'm praying that right now, as we're together, the Holy Spirit moves and shows you how to put your faith into action. Faith with action is alive. How to come alive through what he wants you to do. Maybe it is going and giving someone in your community or your neighborhood food or clothing that they need. Or maybe it's being bold at your workplace or with your neighbors about your faith. Who knows? Maybe it's sending a text message. Maybe it's dropping off a meal. Maybe it's quitting a job to take another job that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what God is asking you to do or is going to ask you to do, but the important thing is that's not the part that matters. The part that matters is that when God speaks and tells you to go and do, that you go and do. We have some amazing opportunities at K2 where you can join us and you can go and do, you can help community. You know, if you haven't signed up for the blood drive on August 26th, please do that. It's an easy way to give to our community. But what I wanna ask, what would things look like if we all listened to that voice today and we went and did that thing this week? What would the world look like if we sent that text message to that person that was on our heart, or we dropped off that coffee, or we spent that time with our child, or we signed up to serve downtown to help the homeless, what would it look like? If you close your eyes and you think about it, it's pretty powerful. Because if all of a sudden we start getting on Facebook and things are a little bit more positive, and we're seeing these actions and we're seeing, we've all seen it, people talking about, I was in the coffee drive-thru today and someone bought my coffee, so I bought their coffee and I bought their coffee. The ripple effect is profound. So when I stop and think, K2, we've got a decently sized church here, guys. What would happen if every single one of us stopped today, listened to what the Spirit was telling us, and we went and we did. Not only would that fill us, that would serve someone else and fill them, and that would bring God so much glory and the kingdom could only be grown through that. This is the time, my friends, this is the time. 
We have an amazing opportunity to, to reach out and to look out into our community and see these needs, whether it's a tangible clothing and food need or going and sitting with someone and just hearing their hearts. Now is the time for us to make sure that we're stepping out in that, that we're living an alive faith because faith with action is alive. I don't know about you. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to hear the stories of when people stepped out and what changed because someone reached out to them and did something or someone did something to them or they did something for someone else. I just have to say, I'm really excited to know that not only is K2 offering opportunities, but I am hearing from so many of you who are looking for ways to serve, who are looking for ways to put their faith into action. I want us to be able to look at our friends and tell them ways that they can serve. I want our friends to look at us and say, I don't know what you have that is making you so full of joy and so full of life, but I want that. I want us to be able to tell them it's Jesus and it's faith with action is alive and we are alive in Jesus. As we sing this last song together, I want us to really think about it. Some of the words are, here am I, all of me, take my life, it's all for thee. I don't wanna just sing those words anymore. I don't want you guys to just sing those words anymore. I really, really am praying that God takes all of us. He does the work and changes in us so that our life is all for God the way we live it out and we serve others. Thanks so much for being with us today, everybody. Have a great Sunday.